Hello and welcome to Neutral Wrestling. It's the morning after, the night before. Corona Mania has hit us. It was a card part one of two. We're all knackered, but we're all soldiering through. I had a great night. I was able to go on Zoom and I drank the best part of a bottle of whiskey while talking to a couple of friends on Zoom whilst watching Mania. It was really, really good. I really enjoyed it, and we're going to be doing the same thing tonight. Um, I want to introduce to you a very hungover, or if no, a very tired Tebs. How are you, mate? I don't want to talk too loud just in case, you know. Keep it nice and quiet, Danny. No, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, <laughs> wherever you are in the world. Um, yeah, what a night. I uh, I decided it would be a sensible idea to only start drinking around 10 when uh, just so long as I didn't hit my peak too soon. And lo and behold, 36-year-old, 30, I hit my peak by quarter to 12. So, uh, yeah, I'm feeling it. <laughs> Sounds like you had a good night, though. Yeah, it was. It was good. It was good. Um, I was, uh, as I say, I've never really done Zoom in a non-work capacity before. Um, and it was nice. It was nice to have a chat. It, we didn't even chat that much. It was just to see people's reactions to things. It was. It was a. It was a really good idea. Um, so Dan, should I ask what you did uh, in terms of where you watched Wania and if you enjoyed it? Yeah, yeah, I had a decent night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Dominoes. The Dominoes. That is my memory of last night. Flipping out, Danny. Right. So large cheese and tomato. Yeah. Right. I think I'd had it all by about three matches in. I'd leached into the other pizza, about three or four pieces of that, and I'm not joking. My, I've got a big coffee in front of me right now, yeah? And I'm thinking, <laughs> once I have this, if you don't hear me speak for five minutes, I'd probably nip to the toilet. Oh. But, yeah, it was wow. a show, wasn't it? I, had a, I, actually had, I was, like, negative on the show to start with. As you know, and I think me and you had a few messages back and forth saying that I thought it was the worst show of all time. I tweeted out on our Twitter for all you followers. Yeah, fuck Vince McMahon, you're a prick. And by the end of the show, I was bowing down to the great man. So, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think what we've established from that is I'm right and uh, you're wrong. So we move on and we've got to say it was a, a pre-show that I enjoyed more than I normally do. Um Corey Graves is a sexy, sexy man. He looks even better than a tux. I'm sorry. I've, he he is my perfect man. I would quite happily live with him. Do the I would not not the not the, the bum and all that, but everything else about the relationship I think would be perfect with me and with me and Corey. Um what's your favourite gay man crusher, Paul? <laughs> Well, there's, there's something dropped. I've got notes here about wrestling. Who's your match? <laughs> uh, Are you still pissed, Danny? I, I may well be. Um, no, seriously, we started off the show, the pre-show match that was uh, Drew, Ga Drew Gulak versus um, Cesaro. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it went a little short for me. It was hard-hitting. It was technical. It was all the things I loved. Um, and, a, and a different finish as well, which I enjoyed. I know a few people didn't. Um, Tebs, again, we'll go to you on this one, mate. What did you think of the uh, the pre-show match? It was a pre-show match, wasn't it? It was good. It was hard-hitting. You can tell they were both putting all in. 
Um, it, yeah, the finish was, you know, I'm struggling to remember back now. It was the uppercut, wasn't it? And then... It was the airplane spin. Where that was hands go. Yeah, it was, I think, if you, if you get, yeah, yeah, God, I don't forget that. If you get a chance to have a WrestleMania, WrestleMania moment, no matter how big or small it is, and, and the strength of that, think about, yeah, the strength of that to do that, not holding on to the guy and still spinning him round. I'm uh, Cesaro's just something else. It's just it's just a complete package. Um, but it was a pre-show match. Not given enough time. I think them two on a main card, um, at a sort of a B-show pay-per-view would be one of those matches that gets 15 minutes and is the one that's talked about afterwards. But I don't know. Maybe it was a dress rehearsal. Well, you see, that's the thing. I, I, I to be honest with you, when I heard this was because it was a, it was announced late. And it said it was going to be on the pre-show. And I was quite pleased because normally you get a little bit more time on a pre-show um, because, you know, you, you, they're filling time, aren't they? Um, so I was hoping for a little bit longer, but I can't complain at the match. Um, Dan, what's your thoughts on this one, mate? Well, my experience of the pre-show was I'm sat there, I'm watching it with someone who doesn't really watch wrestling that much yet. And I'm listening to the... Corey Graves and Paul Rosenberg go on for what seemed like forever. And it's just the way, like, the WWE pre-shows, I feel like they're just, they're bad enough watching on your own. But when you sat there and you're listening to them talking about it as if it's, like, real and stuff and going into all the bollocks about, like, why this person might win the match, I'm just thinking, can we not talk about these matches as if they're a little bit more? Do you know what I mean? Like... Face it, Corey yeah. Graves does a podcast every single week where he, let's, let's face it, people who talk about breaking kayfabe, there's a hundred shows on the WWE Network that break kayfabe. So you basically, the pre-show is like, people like me and you are going to order, yeah? The pre-show that's free on YouTube should be aimed at people like who don't, don't know much about wrestling. And I'm sat there, head into my phone thinking, this is so embarrassing, listening to him talk about like, just... Talking about it like it's real. I'm sat there thinking, ugh. So I actually stood up about half an hour into the show and I thought, sod it. I'm going to go and make a gin. So I'm pouring this gin and I heard the ring bell. So I run back into the front room and I look at the state of this building. I I, I might have been foolish in thinking this, but I thought, look, it's WrestleMania. They clearly spend a lot of money on like how the setup is. I was thinking maybe they might try and decorate it a little bit different. Like, but no, it's just exactly the same as Raw and SmackDown is from the Performance Center. Just the screen with the WrestleMania thing on, the pulse in the corner. And I thought, do you know what? You actually had a chance to be a little bit creative here with the setup of the building. Sure, you can't have pyro, you can't have fireworks, but you've had weeks to maybe plan a different type of setup to make it give it a little bit more of a WrestleMania feel, yeah? And they didn't do it. It was literally, it was lazy. I was talking to Martin about it and he was like, oh, I'm curious to see what they do. I just, I was just disappointed by the layout of the building. So as soon as I seen that, I walked back into the kitchen depressed and I thought, flipping heck. And by the time I'd finished making drinks, came back in and the match had finished. So I thought, are they taking the piss? The match, well, how long was the match? Like five minutes or something yeah, of this hour long pre-show. And what I'd made the mistake of doing was before the pre-show started, I watched the Ronda Rousey-Kurt Angle versus Triple H Stephanie McMahon match where the crowd were on fire for that match. And I was just going from watching that, the memories of that, to this. I was like, I'm going to be a whiny little bitch on this podcast tomorrow. But luckily, 
for the first hour and a half of this show, that's exactly what I would have been doing. But they turned me around. But yeah, I was disappointed with the pre-show. I thought it was a chance to maybe... A lot of people will have been watching this on YouTube. It was a chance to maybe sell people on the show. Um, but for me, the... Oh, and Baron Corbin came up talking like he was King Corbin. I was just... Oh, I think the Domino's driver came at that time and saved my ass. But hey, I hated the pre-show. Hated it. Well, um... In terms of the uh, stage, the, the setup of the, the arena, what did you think of the big fuck off WrestleMania sign uh, that, that somebody jumped off tabs? Yeah, it, I, I didn't even notice that until the Kevin Owens. Kevin yeah, Owens neither match. did I. Neither did I until even, that thing. Did not even notice it. And <laughs> you know what? All the way through this, I just got the feeling that we were watching the WrestleMania dress rehearsal that had been filmed. And that was really disappointing. That took the spark away because yeah, we're going to keep going on about it. But without the crowd being there, it just it just felt that everybody was going through the motions rather than um, a WrestleMania. Um, I, I think, you know, there was some video boards up. Like you said, there was the big sign mm. by the commentators, which I didn't even notice. But I think that was just there for the one reason, which I'm sure we'll touch on in, in a bit. Um, right, okay. No, I was, I was just going to say, lads, I mean, you both sort of made... You, you both both sorts of made similar points there in terms of the the setup of the um, what was done. Uh, I I'll be honest with you, the way I looked at it was this is the best WrestleMania we could have got in the circumstances. But you guys obviously are a little bit disappointed with it. I'll put this to both of you: just short. What could they have done to make it better specifically? Right. I'm obviously we're not like. I'm not like event planners or anything, so I'm no, not no, quite no, sure. Just but you, yeah. I just feel like, look, you've lost the crowd. You've lost that major thing. Let's face it, WrestleMania, yeah, Danny, is never really the best show, is it? But you look at the no. WrestleMania 33, 34 we were at, and like mm. the first thing that I think of is like the amazing set, yeah? The layout of it, right? And I'm not saying, yeah, they was like limited with what they could do with the size of Performance Center, but I just thought, you've lost the crowd, so turn the negative into a positive and think, right, what we're going to do, we're going to make this look like a set, a building, where it just is one of them where you will remember what this building and set looked like. And for me, it was just, it was lazy. It was a lazy setup. I, I just, sure, like, that sign, I never even noticed that until, like, do you know what, like Teb said, until the big spot with it. But I just thought, I'm not sure what they could have done, but it's like, say, like, with the, hate to talk about AEW, right, but say AEW, yeah, Right, where they, for their first show, whatever, what did they do? They changed the camera angle, didn't they? They added people in the crowd, yeah, wrestlers in the crowd. So that's two things they've thought out of the box and that have, like, even WWE copied off them. It was that good, yeah. So I was sort of hoping maybe there's some of that I've not thought of here and they'll have something out of the box just with the way it all looks. But for me, that initial with WrestleMania, the first thing that you look at, let's face it, when people, what I always hear people, oh, I don't want to see a picture of the set on Twitter. Um, I want to have that feeling when I just walk in. So clearly people at WrestleMania thinks themselves, right, it's all about this first few seconds of what the building looks like. And the building just looked exactly the same as Monday Night Raw did and SmackDown. And straight away, I had a negative feeling going into the show. So, yeah. You see, I, I just to pump, and I will come to Tebs in a second, but just to bounce back on that, this was filmed on Wednesday and Thursday. So they've got Monday they did Raw, 
Um, if they did it live or not, I'm, I don't know. Then Tuesday, there's nothing there. Then the film on Wednesday and Thursday. And then at somewhere, they've got to get the SmackDown taping in as well. I don't think they had the ability to change it up all that much in those days with the time that they had to do. Um, Tebs, I'm going to put, put it over to you, mate. Anything specifically that you thought they could have done? The the main thing that stood out to me was, as I'm watching all the adverts before, I'm still going with the Tampa Buccaneers pirate ship on the yeah. 70s. Yeah. Was that. Now, you've just said there, yes, yeah, SmackDown was on Friday night, but I'm pretty sure that was pre-taped as well. Yeah. It would have been. So that could yeah. have been pre-taped after Raw. And just sat here now from when you say, oh, we're not event designers or whatever, I'm thinking now um, you could have had either the whole arena decked out like an old galleon ship with rigging and barrels and, you know, made it look like you're on a ship. Um, you could have had a bow of a ship built. You know, it's easy enough also yeah. to varnish. And you could have had a ramp that came out of that and the wrestlers emerged from the boat. You know, just something like that that just didn't make it feel like we've changed the colour of the bulbs this week to WrestleMania no. instead of Raw or SmackDown. But look, it's... Yeah. They're not making any money from this, or very minimal money. Mm. Uh, this probably was done to satisfy sponsors, to satisfy um, a, a very packed calendar they have. So, mm. you know, I can't forgive them for, uh, excuse me, I can't berate them for skimping on, you know, trying to keep it, trying to keep it as minimal as possible while still putting the show on. The fact that they put one on, and the fact that we're sat here talking about it now instead of doing a podcast of, oh, I wish we were at WrestleMania this year because. There's nothing happening, so fair play yeah. to that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And boss idea about the ship as well. By the way, I thought you, that's something that could have been used in matches and uh, and throughout the night. Um, so yeah, I got a really good idea. Um, we'll move on qu- as quickly as we can. I want to mention how well they did America the Beautiful. Um, the way they pieced it all together from all the ex old WrestleManias, I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Dan, I'll go over to you, mate, because I know you're probably not going to have the same opinion. I don't like hearing the national anthem before a worldwide tradition. Do you know what I mean? I don't like... I know you've, we've already discussed this, I think, didn't we, on the uh, yet-to-be-released yeah. WrestleMania 20 podcast. I'm not a fan of the national anthem being sung, um, but, hey, people, other people apparently are. So, yeah, this is was probably... If you're a fan of the national anthem being sung, then, yeah, this was a good idea. I mean... Having that one person with a piano um, singing, what would have what was that a bad idea or something? So yeah, they, they shook it up. They had thought outside the box a little. Shame they couldn't do that with a building. But yeah, I'm sure this was a nice touch for people. Um, yeah, one thing I did think I actually was watching it thinking, why is Kim Kardashian singing the national anthem? Yeah, and then it, and then it came up saying Nicole Jett singing, and I was That's like, oh, and Tebs, what about you? Did you like that one, mate? Yeah, it was a nice touch. It was a nice yeah. touch. I mean, it was... the want to sing it at the beginning. I mean, the one thing I noticed when we were over in America last year was that they'll sing the National Anthem or America the Beautiful for any mm. anything opening. They'll open a letter in the middle of town and they'll sing the <laughs> it's, they, They'll get about for anything, every, every football game and everything. It's an American tradition. It's an American yeah. company. It's held in America. Um, I, I know they moved away from using Star Spangled Banner to do America mm. the Beautiful, so it wasn't um, too um, American-centric. 
the irony yeah. of using it in the beautiful. But instead of using a national anthem, it becomes more pan-global than of using a, a more generic song. Um, yeah, yeah it was, it's a great little video montage as well. Again, it shows the history of what we're watching. Um, yeah, it was a nice touch, and what followed was a nice touch as well, if you were going to touch on that with what Stephanie said. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought the Stephanie thing. i tell you one thing that we didn't touch on yet. John Legend was singing that. You, you know the bit where John Legend was singing at WrestleMania 24? Yeah. Yeah. How fit is his wife? Jesus Christ. Whew. I was literally talking about that for about the fight. I, th- I think, I don't think I'd stop talking about John Legend's wife until like the actual intro for WrestleMania. So yeah, that's a touch. Google her people. Right. Yeah. I, I am just Googling her now. We want, so Absolutely. we went from one beautiful woman to one ugly, horrible human being in Stephanie McMahon introducing us oh. to WrestleMania. That won't stand. This put me down. This put me down. This put me down. I don't want to hear from Stephanie. I want the great man Vince McMahon himself. Not not Stephanie. Literally, as soon as Stephanie comes on my screen, do you know what I mean? I've had the American National Anthem. I've had this horrible arena in front of me. And now I've got Stephanie McMahon talking pure shit. So, yeah. Needless to say, I'd pretty much finished my first Raspberry Gin by the time Stephanie came up. Raspberry Gin, you've changed. You've raspberry changed. Gin? Me and G have always drank Raspberry Gin. No, unfortunately they have. Rhubarb. Uh, Rhubarb and ginger gin is something you all need to try, and I guarantee you'll have it. Neil was like this. We took Neil on a night out to Manchester two years ago, and he was like, what's this? I said, get it down you, and he had it, and he was like, oh, it's all right, this. But an hour later, we had to shove him in a taxi and send him home. He was that pissed. <laughs> <laughs> right, not so like Neil to send home in a taxi, is it? <laughs> no, not like Neil at all. <laughs> at least he didn't get robbed. Anyway, moving well, on. Well, that's a story for another day. Um, yeah, so moving on, I thought the cold open or the promo was the poorest I've ever seen at the WrestleMania. The um, the pirate thing. There was it was done very jokey. It was I was expecting something a little bit more. I wasn't happy at all with that. Uh, what about you guys? It was absolutely terrible. I was sat there, Danny, and I thought the opening to the, to WrestleMania is usually like, I love the video package. It's something that I could go back and watch. Um, obviously, the wrestling usually ain't that good under WrestleMania, so the little touches like this are like usually... To be honest with you, I usually, the day before WrestleMania, I go on the WWE YouTube to have a look, you know, at the video packages for each match, because usually I feel like there's some quite memorable ones at WrestleMania, but this... I'm thinking of like the WrestleMania 33 one where they're on the roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. I was watching that live, and that you could being in that building, Danny. How much did it hype up the building? Just that video, you could hear like the crowd just getting up for it. And I just thought this was just a bit disappointing. It was like, what was it meant to be? Jack Sparrow? I hadn't watched Pirates of the Caribbean. It was what relevant 15 years ago or something. Um, See, so yeah, I was disappointed with it. Um, yeah, I was disappointed with it. I was over it, but I was on Twitter and people were like, oh, that was one of the greatest introduction videos to WrestleMania ever. So maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just not a believer in the Paul Birchill gimmick. Tebs, did you enjoy the opening? I really enjoyed the opening. <laughs> oh, fuck. You know, fuck I, really, I enjoyed it. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say it was the best one. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that type where I'll, I'll rank WrestleMania opening videos. I watched the one from '35 and. Uh, and again, I remember, you know, it's each wrestler talking about what their destiny is and, you know, and it, it seems more of a sort of a more intense sort of, you know, sports sort of promo f- 
and then I watched this one and it was just all fantasy. Um, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good visual. I mean, it, even though I hate Seth Rollins, just the visual of him curb stomping a giant spider and everything. It was just like, yeah, okay, I like this. It's, it's daft. It's good. I think I saw a message that Neil who said, that, I'm guessing sarcastically saying, it's as if they make it for kids. And it is at the end of the day, you know, it's it's a PG product, it's a PG yeah. opening. It's support, you know, I, I guarantee that set would have been um at, at, at Tampa Bay, it would have been a you know very nautical themed on the high seas, and I think that would have added into it all. Um no, I enjoyed it. It was a bit bit of fun. Who cares? A bit of fun. Yeah, well, fair enough, mate. Uh, to each their own, as they say. Um, so we're going to go into WrestleMania proper now. Um, and the opening match is the Kabuki Warriors versus Cross Bliss. Bliss Cross. I want to call. I'm going to start calling them Cross Bliss. I think. So yeah, um, I've got to be honest with you. I, I, I was very shocked when I went on to a couple of a couple of group chats, not just one or two. Um, and saw how much hate this was getting. Um, I really enjoyed the match. Um, I think it was hard hitting, which surprised me for the four competitors in it. Um, I love that they that um, Kylie Sane hitting the power bomb and diving forearm, and it. I, I really enjoyed the story that was told in the match. I'm guessing there's going to be a couple of different opinions here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Tebs first, just to see your uh, your views on that match. I think everyone's going to agree with you, Danny. You must have not been reading our group chat. Really? Okay. Okay. Well, that's 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 quite surprising. No, there was there was it. It wasn't specifically that one. It was a couple of different ones, and everyone was shitting on it, and I I, I couldn't understand why. Uh, Tebs, what about yourself? No, I, th- I enjoyed it. I think I think it was probably five minutes a bit too long, to be honest. For I get it for the yeah. for in WrestleMania match. Uh, you know. Maybe they're trying to give it more prestige as the women's tag title match. They're giving it some more time. They're making it the opener of the show. Um, the more I watch Alexa Bliss, the more I am um, impressed with how good she is in the ring. Um, throws herself like a rag doll around everywhere, really selling for everybody else. Um, she moves a solid. Nikki Cross is great. She's a bit of a mentalist. She's a unique character. The Warriors, uh, they do the job. It was, it was a fine, serviceable match. It was good fun. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, oh, well, that, that was quite a, quite a surprise, I've got to be honest with you. Um, really, Danny? I thought, yeah, that like, like, like Teb said, I, I don't know, I was, I was sat there, like I said, I've just bitched for the first 20 minutes of this podcast, right? I was sat there and I thought, do you know what? They, I might actually enjoy this show. I thought it, it was a bit annoying, the screaming and stuff. It was a bit like, oh, I, I, I was saying it's like, so if, if you like had your eyes shut, it'd be like watching. I don't know, like a bit of a low rent porno, but um, <laughs> the action was really good. Our screen carries in, I thought, really did a really good job of carrying. The, not carry, they, they they carried the match. I thought they were really good. Uh, Oscar just her character work. I thought was excellent working yes. for the non-existent crowd to the people at home. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was really good. I mean, I, I'd probably go like. I don't know, really, really, really good on. I thought it was a strange choice to open with. I think if this had been actually the main WrestleMania, there's not a chance you have your first two matches of Alexa and Nikki versus the Kabuki Warriors and Baron Corbin versus Elias. But the thing is, which is why we're gonna, probably going to get into this at some point, I think this match would probably get four or five minutes 
probably after one of the world title matches, and maybe even mm. on the pre-show if this was a, a regular WrestleMania over one night. But instead, they got what just short of fifteen minutes. Um, and I thought they just had a really good match. I mean, the, it was a shame that she botched the twisted bliss at the end, um, which was clear for everyone to see. But hey, Carter, well, and I thought it was a good match. I was wondering about that because there was a distinct edit about two minutes before that where Carrie Sane yeah. used the elbow to break up um, a pinfall attempt. And you saw it go one, two, and there was another beat. And then the camera switched and then the elbow went. So he would have hit the three in that time. And I just think it was a bit yeah. of an edit. So why have they edited that pinfall attempt like that and not mm. edited out the twisted bliss to the upper thighs of Carrie Sane? It, it, I don't, I don't know, maybe they were happy with it. Maybe they looked at it and just went, you know what, it's fine, carry on. I don't know, but if you've got the opportunity to edit your product and edit the show to make it as perfect as possible, maybe they're leaving it in so you can see what's and all to sort of show that it was all one take as opposed to edited. I don't know, it was, it was an odd one. That I think, Tebs, for me, what they might they might have been that busy filming the Raw and Smackdowns before and putting all the thought into this brilliant set that they might not have had time to uh, retake the Twisted Bliss. I think, I think there's <laughs> def- definite time restriction throughout the week. Um, I think it's, it's clear for everyone to say. So... <sighs> There was two noticeable edits within within the show. This was one of them, and I think the other one was in the ladder match. Uh, but I'm sure we'll come on to that in a bit. Um, I want to move on to um, what do we think about on this? winning the match? What do we think about Alexa and Nikki as champions and taking the belt off the Kabuki Warriors? We all think that's a good move. Yeah, I mean, there's different things that you can do with it. Can we see a? a we were talking the other week about. How good Asker is, and actually, how good Kylie Sane is. Is that a, 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 this the start of a split? Is it the start of going out after each other? I don't know, but there's different things to do with them. They've had that title for a good long time now, and I, I'm I'm just ready for I'm ready for it to start in you. Yeah, Tebs, you happy I'm, with the result? I'm happy with the result, definitely. Um, my main concern for these titles moving forward is who's their obvious challenger. Outside of Nia Jackson Tamina, that, yeah. that's uh, they don't have any other women's tag. So you know we, we keep saying, oh, it'd be good if the Kabuki Warriors got split up or whatever. Well, no, because that's one less challenger. Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville look like the parting way. There's, it just seems like now there's going to be this, these belts with very few challenges available. But I don't know. Maybe they'll surprise us if uh, if we can get Nia Jackson Tamina on side again. Maybe bring them to in, do a bit of a program with Bliss and Cross about them. Um, but long term, um, even looking down into NXT, what what women's tag teams are going to be coming up from NXT? And yeah, WWE are good at throwing throwing people together, but I, don't, I, I like my tag teams to be a tag team. I don't like them just two people thrown together. So that's my yeah. only concern. But you know, talking today in, in the light of the day, yeah, I'm happy. Bliss and Cross got that point, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to have a look now at Banter Baz Corbin versus Elias. Um, I was not looking forward to this one at all. They they got a bit more interest out of me than uh, than I thought they would, but overall, I thought it was probably the worst match on the show. Yeah, I'd completely tuned out for this. I was just 
I think they sort of got your hopes up that they might have been taking Elias out of the match. Um, do you know what I mean? With like obviously getting beaten up, but they they didn't. He comes out, and I was just I don't know. I'm sat there. I'm watching WrestleMania in front of no one. I'm sat impressed and watching WrestleMania. And to make it worse, Elias and Baron Corbin are going at it in front of me, and I was just thinking, what 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 has happened? What has happened to the world these last five to six weeks? But yeah, I'm gonna complain. Surprise, surprise. Right, I'm not the biggest Baron Corbin fan, but after watching the top 20 moves of Baron Corbin, check it out on YouTube if you've not already had a look at it. Um, I thought you've had him go over Kurt Angle, yeah, in a big match at last year's WrestleMania, and you pissed off a lot of people with that. A lot of people weren't happy that Baron Corbin ended the career of Kurt Angle, but he did it over the course of the last year. Whether or not people have complained about it, Baron Corbin has been one of the top heels in the company. He has, right? He's got this whole new King gimmick. So, to go from that to 12 months later, to have him lose to Elias. Elias, who people might, yeah, 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 he's nice. I'm going to be brutally honest. The guy can't cut it in the ring. He's not good enough. He's not had one good match in his entire career. He's, yeah, he's funny. Yeah, he's got all right to watch. But he's a comedy gimmick. He is not good enough to be wrestling at a WrestleMania. He's no good, yeah? So you have him exact his revenge. I seen a post on Twitter. The guy threw him from, what, 20 feet in the air, and how, do you, how does the babyface exact his revenge in WWE? He pins him via roll-up. And for one, I don't like the finish to the match. Two, I, I, Baron Corbin should have won this match. As much as I'm not his biggest fan, after the way they booked him the last year, he should have won this match. It gets Elias on the card. Yeah, I didn't like the fact that Corbin lost. but And it also made it look like this feud might continue, which nobody wants to see. Tebs? Yeah, I think this these two were a victim of the circumstances going on at the minute, to be honest. Um, the feud has been kind of thrown together over the last couple of weeks. I think we're all in agreement. Neither are the best in-ring talents, but they are, you know... If you list the top five things that you look for in a wrestler, you know, mic work, comedy, charisma, um, likability, whether it's as a heel or a babyface, and they've both got it. You know, yes, they should have been on the pre-show. I think Baron Corbin should have been higher up the cat. Again, I don't like the guy. I don't like his wrestling. I don't like his 19 of his moves. Um, <laughs> but he... Yeah, I think they were thrown together to give them both something to do. You know, you, you're left with these two pieces of a puzzle after you've put it all together and you're like, oh, shit, we've forgotten to do something with Baron and Elias. I've, right. I've Baron throw Elias off that. It'll make a good visual for TV. They've done a job for what was needed at the time, which was get them both on the card, keep it bubbling over, maybe have some, a storyline going out at the end of this. Or it's just been left that, you know, your heel's been rolled up and he's been made to look a bit daft and everyone can move on. I think this was just a match to service a need to get them both on the card, whether you rate them or not. That's what it was there for, I think. It, it wasn't the best match. I don't think it was I don't think it was in the best Baron Corbin match <laughs> that we've ever seen, which is you know, you can count on one hand. Um, you know, did a job, could have been a couple of minutes shorter, get him out there, move on, fine by me. Tebs, did you just use likability and character in the same sentence as Baron Corbin? They can be used negatively as well as positively. 
if you like his character, and his character is, he's a dick. He is a bit of a, a gurning, smug dick. Now, do you like that in heels? Yeah, I do. I like that because I love to hate those people. So, yeah, I think I'd... he's get off my screen likable. Yeah, it's... watch him. You see, I, I I can't agree with both of you on this because I I always say I remember the NXT. I think it was Proven Ground, the documentary where they did a series, and he was kind of playing kayfabe character in the thing when he was still in NXT, and he was that smug, arrogant, real athlete type of thing. He wouldn't yeah. set the ring up. But it was a lot more real than what he is in this current character. And I, I kind of agree with Dan in in the respect of I don't want to see him as this character. I'd like to see the smug, arrogant, cocky heel, only with a, a little bit more grounded. Um, as I said, I, I said to Dan a number of times, he's a fucking golden gloves boxing champion. He's an he's a real real athlete. Um, yeah. Without no disrespect. Why aren't they? Why aren't they playing on that? I, I don't understand it. Um, anyway, we're, we're, I think it's probably time to move on. From it's weird that we're all agreeing so much on this uh, this episode. I wasn't expecting this. I'm going to be honest. Um, Just, wait. Just wait. Give it ten minutes. Yeah, give it ten <laughs> minutes. What's next? Becky versus Shane or Daniel Bryan versus? Oh, I'm ready. Well, on, Danny. I think we're about <laughs> well, to disagree, but. Go on. <laughs> Just um, just before we, we do get on to that, I just want to talk a, a little bit about um, two things around the show as a whole. Um, one of them being, I was very impressed and really, really liked the fact that there wasn't too much backstage segments or cutaways or interviews or that it seems to be kept to a minimum. And I, I'm, I'm sure that's because of the, the, the timing of the show, which brings me on to another point. I thought the timing of this WrestleMania over night one was absolutely perfect. I thought the show fitted into what I was still entertained. I was still up for it. I, I, I didn't get that laggy sensation that you can sometimes get when you're watching a WrestleMania from home. See, this is where the disagreements might start, Danny, because I was only thinking to myself this morning, yeah. There was no backstage segments. Some people don't. I think you either love backstage segments or you don't. Whereas, like, I sort of like with a WrestleMania, like, say we watch WrestleMania 20, you had that Randy Orton interview, didn't you, where he was going on about kicking Mick Foley down the stairs. You had the Mean Gene stuff. You had Coach trying to find The Undertaker. For me, I think, especially in an environment like this, where it is, it is a bit hard to watch the actual wrestling aspect. Well, at least I found it hard to watch. I felt like you could have had a few backstage segments just to break up the matches a little bit because I felt like we was going from one match pretty much straight into another. Obviously, you've, there's not really, no grand entrances or anything at this WrestleMania. I just felt a little bit like... I don't really. I felt like you could try and get the wrestling down as limited as possible in some of the matches, and I felt like a, just a backstage interview and something promoting something. I know we did have the odd video package. I think we had two video packages, didn't we, for Becky? Yeah. Oh, three actually. Becky, Shayna, Undertaker, AJ. So as I say, I am. People are like, oh, blah blah blah. You're a wrestling man. I am a big fan of video packages at a WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, I just felt like they could have broke up the match. I felt like the gap from one match. 
in the ring to the next match in the ring was a bit too short for me. Felt like there was no real opportunity to go upstairs for a piss. Um, but yeah. You realise there was just a Baron Corbin versus fucking Elias match and you've got no opportunity to go for the piss. Fuck off, Dan. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> I'll come on to you, mate. On the point of timing and the way the show was presented in terms of backstage segments and interviews. Yeah, I didn't even notice the lack of uh, backstage segments. But to be honest, every time the final bell goes, I go running outside for a cigarette. So <laughs> I, normally miss, I normally miss all the uh, the backstage stuff. Anyway, so to me, they're, they're just the time that it, it has for me just to go uh, stand outside the front door at two in the morning having a smoke. Um, I, I thought the... Um, I thought... Oh God, I'm sorry to say it. I thought Gronk and uh, Mojo were going to have this ongoing thing throughout the night of keep getting one up on each other, taking the 24-7 belt off of each other maybe or something like that. I thought that would have been a nice you know, so you start it off as Gronk is the host WrestleMania and then Mojo screwed him over for the belt and then I thought he'd slowly start getting distracted away from that and they could have had that backstage bit running on. No, there weren't any interviews, maybe that's because they want to keep the you know, the um, social distance in between the interviewers and all them separate. I don't know what it was. I didn't yeah. know, to be honest. But in terms of pacing, in terms of... Um, I thought towards the end, you know, it got to about half past one and I thought, oh, God, we've only got four matches left. It it, uh, it seemed to fly by, to be honest. But yeah, it was a good... Yeah, was, the, in terms of match length, I think they were very generous with some people. Um mm. I think they gave, you know, having just, well, you're talking nine matches, having those over three hours give a lot more room to breathe and a lot more chance for. I'd, I'd, if this hadn't been over two nights, Bliss and Cross would never have got 15 minutes. No. So it's, um, it's good that they've got, you know, more time to let the, for want of a better word, lesser matches, time to showcase themselves. Yeah, no, that, that's great. That's great. Well, thanks for the input on them, boys. Um, Dan mentioned about grand entrances, and there wasn't really very much. Probably the grandest entrance of the night was reserved for Becky Lynch. Uh, she took on Shayna for the Raw Women's title. Um, I, I liked the match while it was on, but I thought the... It was an epic failure in terms of booking. Uh, right, you know, you know, I'm a Shayna Baszler fan, and yes, I understand. You understand I'd want her to win, but this wasn't my problem that she didn't win. My problem is you've booked her as a fucking killer. She's come in and she destroyed everyone in the elimination chamber, and at the at the end of that, Becky gets you know a roll up quick victory. Kind of, kind of deal, and then this monster, this, this, this absolute killer that's been destroying everyone in a path from NXT to the main roster, then pouts when she's lost the match and just looks up at Becky holding the title aloft. I had no problems with her losing the match, but if that's the case, she's got to be knocking the shit out of Becky as soon as that match finished because it ruins what's already been built up. It makes those girls in that elimination chamber look fucking weak if Becky can do that and Shayna will just sit there and pout after the match. Didn't like it at all. So I'm going to go to uh, to you, Dan, on this one first, please. Yeah, I hated it. I hated it. I, it really did just piss me off. I'm sad, to be fair, if you rewind back, 
Yeah, you were saying that they brought Shayna in as some killer, right? I watched the the Royal Rumble, yeah. She eliminated, what, seven or eight people, didn't she? Right? Yeah. And then they had her get eliminated and Charlotte won the match. And I thought, at the time, I thought, mm, does that sort of show what they see in Shayna? Like, yeah, sure, she got a seven or eight eliminations, but so did Bianca Belair, yeah? Shayna had to win that Royal Rumble match. Shayna technically lost her first match on the main roster, yeah? Sure, she looked strong in it, but at the end of the day, she got eliminated. And for me, that sort of just showed they're not going to go all the way with Shayna. Sure, they repackaged her with it looking like a killer. They centered that elimination chamber match all around her. But for me, the cracks are like maybe how Vince McMahon sees her. Already starting to show. And then last night, I thought, right, if they're serious about Shayna, she goes in there and she beats Becky three to four minutes. Sort of like Shayna's match with Ember Moon at yes. um, one of the takeovers we were yeah. at in New Orleans, I want to say, yeah. Shayna would come in and just beat people and the crowd would get pissed off with it. And I thought, they need to go that route, yeah? The only way they're not going to go that route is if they, in their mind, envisage that next year at WrestleMania, we're going to see Becky versus Ronda. That's the only way I thought that they're not going to do this. So maybe that's the reason why they did this. But for me, the match, it was a nothing match. It was fine while it was going on. It was like, what, five minutes? Maybe it was longer, I don't know. Right. So, but for me, I thought, I was like, did you not learn your lesson from last year? If you're going to have someone go over someone, yeah, don't have it with a little shitty roll-up. We had it in the previous match, the Elias Baron Corbin match. And at WrestleMania last year, I thought the ending to that main event was disgusting. Becky should have gone out there and beat Ronda clean in the middle of the ring and we got a great moment. Instead, we got a little shitty roll-up in the first ever women's main event of a WrestleMania. Even Corey Graves after that match, because I've rewatched it, was on commentary going, I'd like a more conclusive result in my main yeah, event of WrestleMania. And I'm thinking, yeah, you're not the only one. It's the main event of WrestleMania. I don't have time for a little botched roll-up. You want to make Becky into a star, you forget the other two in the match. Yeah, Ronda doesn't need protecting. You have a go out there, tap like a bitch. But no, she didn't. Yeah, even if you just want to beat her with whatever Becky's goofy finishers called. But no. So for the second time, we have a stupid roll up, and when I'm watching the match. I'm thinking, oh, it's all right. This, it's all right. And then bang, it's taken away from me, and I'm just soured on it. I'm thinking, this is shite. I've watched Baron Corbin versus Elias, shite. I've watched this, which for me was one of the bigger matches on the show. Where does Shayna go from here? Maybe you can repackage and maybe there's not going to be any TV for a few months. Yeah, she might be fine. But for me, it just shows where they see Shayna in the pecking order. Hopefully, it's going to lead to Becky versus Ronda maybe next year. Um, but yeah, didn't like it. Tebs? Hated it. Yeah. 100% agree with you both. Um, in terms of Becky, she's now been champion for a year. Um, she's won two WrestleMania matches. And watching it, I thought this would... This could well have been the match that opened this year's show, um, had it been the normal show. Um, to have, you know, started off with Baszler versus Becky Lynch would have been a great opener. But so now, in terms of Becky, we absolutely agree. Two years running, she's won by a roll-up. She's almost looks like she's got lucky against, you know, quite factually, probably, you know, tougher women, uh, ones who have proved it in MMA, etc., um, so now where does Becky go? She's beaten Baszler. Um, there's nobody else on, on the roster. I, I don't know where she goes from there. 
Um, in terms of what they've done to Baszler, I'm struggling to think of an NXT call-up in the last two years where they haven't just destroyed that person within six months. And Baszler in NXT was this unstoppable monster. Um, technical, vicious. Um, and then she comes over here, she gets, like you say, she gets a Royal Rumble um, elimination, so she looks really strong. She got eliminated. Everybody can't win the Rumble, that's fine by me, but she still looks strong, fair enough. The Elimination Chamber, the other five women in the division, she just mugged off. She yeah. just made them look like like ragdolls. She just threw them around. It, it was it was a, a cakewalk. And that set up Baszler to come walking into WrestleMania. And I said it on the preview pod, Baszler should have walked in there, kicked back his head off and choked her out. And that sets up. And have six to eight months of Baszler as an unstoppable champion until Ronda comes back or whatever. But now, you've, like you say, you had Baszler sat there going, oh, what happened there? Well, the same thing happened as the way you lost, I think, Kyrie Sane at one of the takeovers once where she reversed the um, the chokehold into a pinfall attempt. You know, why don't you learn from that? Well, no, you don't, because Vince doesn't watch NXT. And so now you've got a champion in Becky that got lucky and has beaten everybody else, so she's got no true contender anymore. You've got the only worthy contender is Baszler, and she's just made to look like a chump. Um, anybody else Basil takes on now shouldn't stand a chance against her because of how she's been built in the first couple of months. They've just eyes. Ah, they've, they've shat the bed. It's honestly that it's it so annoyed me. So annoyed me. You've just ruined two decent wrestlers there in in eight minutes. Mm. Well, we've, we I think we're all in agreement on that one, and uh, we'll move on to the next one. The uh, Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship oh. match, Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan. Let me say from my point of view, Sami Zayn is the most entertaining man in WWE at the moment. The great liberator gets a great win. The way he tried, the, the way he ran away and the, the fact that he didn't want to wrestle this match, I thought it played out so well. Um, the fact that Cesaro and Nakamura kept stopping uh, Brian getting at him and he really just didn't want to take the match um, I love the finish um, I love the fact that it was almost entirely Daniel Bryan dominating throughout the match and this shit house heel, this fucking entertaining cowardly heel gets a great fucking hell of a kick or hell of a kick whatever you call it um, at the end and gets the win love this match Tebs, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, don't start with me. Go on, Tebs. Again, this was one of the ones that made me think I'm watching the dress rehearsal for something else. I timed it three three minutes 20, I think it was, before the first wrestling move was done. Um, <laughs> a nine and a half minute match. I was tired. I set the stopwatch going. As soon as, as soon as the bell rang, I thought, how long is this going to take? And um, yeah, he is an absolute shithouse. He's a coward. Um, I like Cesaro <laughs> and Nakamura getting involved in it, but all along I'm just watching it and I'm just there thinking this is the this is the match that would have got you know five minutes on Elimination Chamber before building up to the big match at WrestleMania. This is the one that would have got a setup at this is the setup match at TLC before the blow off at Royal Rumble. Um, and it never got into sort of third gear for me, but. It just showed how great Sami Zayn is, and he is. When we talk about liking a character or liking a heel, 
I love that kind of heel. Just the guy who don't want to be touched, get rolling out the ring, breaking things up. I remember Ric Flair being like that sort of yes. quite a lot during his career where, you know, he'd go to, he'd go to tech, tech the uh, the hook up or whatever, and then he's like, nope, nope, I'm not happy rolling out the ring. Like, <laughs> absolute, absolute shithouse, but fantastic. Sami Zayn's one of those, un, probably the, one of the most underrated talents on that roster right now. And he, he absolutely deserves that instrumental belt. Mm, definitely. Well, Tebs, if you want to go for a smoke or need to make a brew or have a piss, probably a good time to go now. Dan, what did you think of that match? Well, how do you know that I'm going to complain about it? I've, I've not complained about it on WhatsApp or anything. So are you, are you just can you just tell, do you know me that well that I'm not going to like this? I just think you're a winching bastard. Um, right. So. I've got in my notes, the only note I've got on this match reads, do I even fucking like wrestling anymore? That is my note on this match. (laughs) So I'm going to have to go a cappella here because I don't have a clue, right? So I'm frustrated about these two previous matches, right? I'm sat and thinking, oh, Daniel Bryan's music gets fucked right. So I can pick myself back up here. I'm watching Daniel Bryan come out and I'm watching running around the ring with fucking, what's he called? I've even forgotten his name, I'm that annoyed. Drew, Drew Gulak, who I, I think is great as well. And I'm watching him doing this stupid little handshake, and I'm just thinking, where did it all go wrong? And then I've got Sami Zayn coming out with fucking Nakamura, and I'm thinking, Nakamura, you was getting the most amazing entrance at WrestleMania in New Orleans two years ago. Now, what, what, what are you even doing? Cesaro, at one point, was like stealing the show at some point at WrestleMania 30, where the whole crowd are on the feet. He was then, he was, do you remember, he was a Paul Heyman guy. How long did that last? Was he a Paul Heyman guy? Yeah, sure he was, right? So I'm sat there, I'm watching Sami Zayn. Two, three years ago, I felt like Sami Zayn as a baby face really did have the potential to become the next Daniel Bryan. And I'm sat watching these five guys out there, I'm thinking, where, where did it all go wrong? Do you know what I mean? It all went wrong. When Daniel Bryan decided to marry Brie Bella and had to be stuck in WWE for the upcoming few years, you've got you've got the guy who is the best wrestler in the company. He's the best wrestler in the company, and he's stuck. What, what are you laughing at? Oh dear, Do you think this is funny? Because I'm actually annoyed about this, right? You've it's got no. Nice. Dude, I love the fact that you're going with it's Brie Baskin's fault. That it's bitch. Brie fault. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> right, don't tell me, right? If Daniel Bryan, if Daniel Bryan wasn't married to Brie Bella, he'd still be working for this company. He knows that this company is a piece of shit. Do you know what I mean? He knows it. He knows that it's that Vince McMahon is one of the biggest dickheads in history, right? He knows it, but. He's a dad, soon to be to two kids. He's married to some bell end. So he's got to think to himself, look, where's the safest place for me to work? It's here in WWE. Brie can have a little shitty reality TV show that nobody watches. So yeah, I'll just be the nice guy that I am. You're too nice, Daniel. Brian, sorry. The nice Brian fucking Danielson, by the way. Um, I'm, you're too, I'm too nice. So yeah, I'm going to sit here and I'm watching Daniel Brian. I'm thinking, you should be... In the main event on January 4th, tearing it up with Old Carter, with Tanahashi, and instead I'm watching you 
chase around another great wrestler who's completely <laughs> underutilized in this company and Sami Zayn around the ring. You've got Nakamura in his all-in-one suit, who a couple of years ago was one of the best workers around. You've got Cesaro. I'm thinking, I, I, I can't stand Vince. I hate him. I hate him. Well, why does he do this? Why does he take all my favorite wrestlers and turn them to shit? So I'm watching this and I'm thinking, right, pass me my phone on Twitter. Turn to me left, the person that I'm with far fast asleep at this point, sat and thinking, right, I'm going to unload on Twitter because I've no one to unload on here. Actually, first, Danny, I messaged you. And yeah. you messaged me thinking, oh, I fucking love this show. And I thought, that fucking prick. <laughs> I ran to him. And then I thought, do you know what? Danny's a really nice guy. He's enjoying himself. So I won't ruin his fun. So I thought, right, I'll take to the... I'll text to the people of Twitter for this. So I put a tweet up about what a prick Vince McMahon is. This is a disgrace. This WrestleMania is taking place. And as I'm tweeting this out, I'm watching Daniel Bryan batter Sami Zayn. And I look up and I just see Sami Zayn hits a kick. And I thought, oh, but maybe going to the near falls a bit early. One, <laughs> two, three. Daniel Bryan just lost to Sami Zayn at <laughs> WrestleMania. And I thought, ugh, this fucking company and then i've got danny defending it i thought right, i'll get in the group chat at least neil will be fucking complaining which he was i just thought you could be there at the you could be there tearing it up at the tokyo dome you could be tearing it up i don't care in some random bingo hall in philadelphia i'm sure you'd be having a better time than this and yeah for me daniel brian whatever you want to call yourself mr bella just get out of this company i'm begging you i'm begging you to get out of this company country this company get out of this company because you're better than it i don't want to talk about this match anymore at this point i'm genu genuinely i was sat there thinking i'm gonna go to bed i'm gonna go to fucking bed i'm not watching it i'm not doing it anymore but i thought i'll sit on twitter and complain for a bit longer so yeah i did that so yeah that was my that was my thoughts on the match two stars right. two stars <laughs> i thought i just can't bring myself to give a daniel Bryan match lower than two stars but yeah no, th thanks very much, Danny. Yeah, no, I did, I did, and I, and I think if if we look at it, you know, from what we've all just said, we can all agree it was probably match of the night. Um, but we'll move, <laughs> we'll move on from there, and we'll go to the next match, which I actually thought was the best in ring match of the night. Um, bit of a strange circumstance. You've got John Morrison, Kofi Kingston, and Jimmy Uso. Um, for the tag team title in a triple threat match. Um, putting, aside, putting aside the fact that it, it is actually a little bit ridiculous and it was something that was enforced upon them, I actually really, really enjoyed this match. I love to see... I think it's hard to do new spots within a ladder match. It's hard to find new spots. And they, were, they just went at it with a breakneck pace Um there was big bumps and there was new bumps and I really, really enjoyed and I especially enjoyed the ending and how the match ended um, with obviously Morrison basically falling with the titles whilst uh, Uso and Kingston were, you know, put, trying to pull them down. Three men had their hands on the titles at once and it was great to see. I really, really enjoyed it. So I'll go to Dan on this one first, please, mate. Well, I'd still not recovered from what I'd watched before this. So at this point... Uh, you, you know, on the preview podcast, Danny, you spoke about your feelings on last man standing matches. Yeah. About how you don't really like them and not many of them you think are good. I'm sort of the same with ladder matches. I feel like I've seen that many ladder matches. 
it used to be like a big deal when a ladder match would get yeah. announced. I'd be like, oh, a ladder match. That Well, at least that's one good match on the pay-per-view. But I think the money in the bank stipulations where you're having three ladder matches on a show sometimes. I feel like there's been so many ladder matches. I mean, we've I saw the Young Bucks Lucha Brothers ladder match, and I'm not sure if you could get better action in a ladder match than that. Mm. And you combine that, that I don't like ladder matches. I don't really like tag team matches. Well, I don't really like tag team title matches that are Tretter's single matches. Um, yeah. I find it a bit weird that there's no crowd, you know, like going crazy. That usually boosts a ladder match, I think, the crowd reaction to some of the spots, even though it, you've got the idiot, I'm picturing Neil, with his hands over his mouth as if he's just seen the most amazing thing ever, even though it happens in every ladder match. Um <laughs> I'm picturing that. So, yeah, at this point, I'm watching. I'm thinking, yeah, it's probably good, but I'm not angry. I, I can't watch it. Uh, and it's sort of going past me. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's decent action. I'll be nice about this. My notes for this match is, okay, action, fucking stupid ending. So, yeah, really? I, do, I do think endings sometimes, Danny, they can just be a little bit overthought sometimes. And I feel like this was one of them. I thought it was a bit overthought. I think you could have just had it end differently. And how many times... Whenever I see a triple threat match, more often than not, there's two baby faces and one heel in a triple threat match. You know going into it, the heel's going to win. If there's two heels and one baby face in a triple threat match, you know that the baby face is going to win. So I'm not a fan of triple threat matches, as you found out if you listen to our coverage on the road to WrestleMania last year. I'm not a fan of ladder matches. I'm not a fan of empty arena matches. I'm not a fan of tag team title matches where there's no tag teams in it. So yeah. I can take it or leave it. Tabs. You know, I hated it and it was all Naomi's fault. <laughs> if, you're, if you're linking it to Brie Bella, I'm going to bring Naomi in. <laughs> I wonder what you was on about then. <laughs> um, you know, I enjoyed it. Yet, yeah, when you say the ending was overbooked uh, or overthought, going on to that point of we've had so many ladder matches, they've got to start overthinking it and and to come up with an original way um, yeah. of somebody winning it without it just being the usual somebody trying to climb the ladder and another person gets pushed off, leaving that person at the top. I thought it was clever how they brought it into it. I think the standout, the person who caught my eye most out of the whole show last night was John Morrison. I didn't see much of him um, in his first stint in WWE because I wasn't watching WWE then. Um, and he's, I, I like him. I like him as a performer. Um, I think, you know, they're running along the ropes. I very rarely see that nowadays. Oh, that was crazy, yeah. that. Um, he did his, what's, what's he call it? Death from above or whatever. What's his spinning finisher called? Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but I know what you mean. Did that off onto the ladder, didn't he? And then... Uh, the one then that, I a... call it the one that never connects, but yeah. That was it, that was it. The, the lower leg slap. And then there was Kofi um, <laughs> jumping through the... the the ladder, jumping through the middle of it, trying to sort of take them both out with a kick and getting caught. I thought there were some nice spots in there. It was good fun. I think, you know, it was a it was a nice gimmick match to have in between all the other sort of standard wrestling matches. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I had a good time with it. Now, I think we've got to get on to quite, quite uh, I mean, maybe slightly too serious for a, a light-hearted podcast, but probably the, the issue of the night, which was the... Um, Byron Saxton's jacket. Uh, do you know what, Danny? You was reading it then, and you were talking about this, and I thought, 
this is Danny's dry sense of humour about to hit us again. And I was waiting <laughs> for what it would be about. I thought, what's it going to be about? Byron's jacket, right? Go on. Oh, how splendid did he look in that black with the silver and the little rhinestones? What a man. If, if, if that man is a prince, an absolute prince. Tebs on, uh, on Saxton's jacket. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quickly Googling, trying to find <laughs> Saxton's jacket. I've just, Saxton's I've just Googled. Saxton. I've just Googled, was Byron Saxton on commentary last night? So I, I genuinely didn't even notice he was there. Was he there? Yeah, Never noticed I it. Know, I remember him saying at one point, I, di- I didn't take as much notice of him to notice his jacket, but uh, I think that'll be a euphemism from now on. Yeah, well, speaking of commentary, speaking of commentary, I don't. I wasn't expecting to say this. I don't know why he happened to be on commentary. I thought it was a nice change to have JBL on commentary. I thought, I don't know, a lot of the WWE commentators are sort of the same. But I yeah. feel like it was a nice little, I don't know, I, I wasn't his biggest fan while he was on commentary, but he was the one commentator that I noticed that was there. I don't know, I, I didn't mind him. Not, I, I've not got to lie. be honest, always been a big fan of JBL's commentary. Um, he's funny. He's to the point, and he doesn't always toe the company line. I, I really like him on commentary. He did a good job last night. I do, yeah. I must say that. And I bet there's some I wrestling was... fans sat out there saying, yeah, but he bullied someone in 1994. Couldn't give a shit. always reminded me of... Um, be a star, of Dan. Be a star. <laughs> <laughs> JBL's always reminded me of the Bobby Heenan style of commentary. You know, that, that colour commentator, the heel, yeah. the says what he wants. Um, is not scripted or it doesn't make it sound scripted like Corey Corey Graves does, Man Crush Corey Graves. Um, I, I like JBL, and like I say, I agree with you. You know what? If yes, he used to bully people, or he may still do. I don't know the full story. I wasn't there, but I bet you could also dig up a bunch of stories about Taker in the uh, the wrestlers' locker room, courts room, or whatever yeah. you call it. Taker's done enough stuff there. Shawn Michaels. Triple it, you know what I mean. This is an industry that we haven't worked in, and you know I, I'll probably get a bunch of people going on Twitter going, "Oh, can you say that JBL's a monster?" So, fucking whatever. It's not to do with me, you know. If it's been dealt with, but for what he for what he brings to the performance, for what he brings to the show, I really enjoy. Him. Let's not forget Jimmy Snooker killed the bitch, you know. Jimmy, Jimmy, every, every allegedly, time, allegedly. Every, every time, every time Tamina comes on telly for somebody else in the room, I go, "Her dad's a murderer." <laughs> allegedly, her dad is a murderer. Allegedly, allegedly. very much. Allegedly. It's a, it's it's okay, babe. Anyway, so don't worry about it. Um, we, <laughs> okay, move, we we move on to the. Uh, I mean, this this was again another spectacular occurrence. Twenty four seven match. Um, we see Mojo Rawley defeat our truth and the Gronk. Was it a three way match? I don't know, but yeah, we've got a new uh, roll up champion, and that is uh, Mojo Rawley. Lads, five stars, six stars. Would it have got seven if it was in the Tokyo Dome? The third finish of the night that had a roll-up. I was like, are they taking the piss out now? I'm sure they're just doing this to annoy me. Right, Tim, what was your opinion on this? I want an in-depth, uh, a deep dive. <laughs> deep dive. You should never take that title off, Truth. 
<laughs> I agree. Actually, I agree. Uh, you know, if if the if hey, the rest of his career is just avoiding getting rolled up <laughs> ex American footballers, then I'll be I'll be happy with that. Um, yeah, 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 next, yeah. Do you know what I was doing while this was happening? Oh, Ooh, is, this, is, this, is this a bit dirty or no? I was, re- I was researching oh, if go. I remove pepperoni off a pizza, is it still vegetarian? Because I was looking at this other pizza box thinking, <laughs> right, there's only pepperoni on it. So if I take this pepperoni off it, is it going to be vegetarian? And I looked up at my screen, I have Mojo Rawley rolling up, and I thought, do you know what? I'm taking this pepperoni off and I'm eating it. <laughs> Why would <laughs> Pizza if you're vegetarian. Well, it wasn't my pizza. I'd already demolished mine thanks to the stress oh. of this roll-up mania. So I was thinking if I sneak some of this pizza. So yeah, woke up this morning and I could just, I just felt like I'd, oh, I don't know. Even though it technically was. Do you know what's crazy? This is completely off topic, yeah, right? I'm eating some McCoy's crisps, yeah? Some McCoy's crisps, right? Bear in mind, as a vegetarian, you can eat hot chicken wings flavoured McCoy's crisps, yeah? You can have barbecued beef, you can have anything, right? So I'm sat there and I'm eating jalapeno and cheese McCoy's crisps. And I'm enjoying these crisps. I thought, oh, they're really good, these. And then I'm looking at the back of the pack here. Not suitable for vegetarians. <laughs> I thought, are they taking the... How can jalapeno and cheese flavoured McCoy's crisps... Not be suitable to jalapeno. So as I'm sat there, this does have a meaning, by the way. As I'm sat there debating, if I take the pepperoni off, is it still a meat pizza? I thought, well, there's no jalapeno and cheese crisps on it. The pepperoni's gone. It's just cheese, tomato, and bread with a bit of meat juice. So whatever, get it down me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was my thoughts on the uh, who won the title, Mojo Rowley. As if the 24-7 title's still about. They could have done so much more with that thing. Is Crash Holly still alive? No, he's dead. He killed himself. Okay, right, so next, Kevin Owens versus Seth. Hang <laughs> on, you don't <laughs> expect me like that. that. As if he's dead. Do you know, yeah. Crash Holly, right, at my primary school, before I was, like, half into wrestling, there was a big rumour going around our school that Crash Holly had beat The Rock for the uh, WWF Championship on Sunday <laughs> night. And we didn't get Sunday night eight, so it was like a big thing. Did Crash Holly win that title off The Rock? And I never found out, but I'm guessing he didn't. No, no, I'm guessing no. Um, yes, okay, what so we go... podcast at this point, anyway? Say again. Is this podcast at this point? Are we still yeah, reviewing WrestleMania? We're going on to Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. Um, I, I think, I don't know whether somebody's going to disagree with me, but I couldn't find a bad thing in this match. I love the... The disqualification, and then they get back. He challenged his manhood. He challenged his messiahdom. Um, enjoyed the match. I think we've made history. Unless unless something similar happens tonight, we've made history because this is probably going to be the only time that anyone has ever jumped off the WrestleMania sign. Now, Shane McMahon. Say again. And it wasn't Shane McMahon. And it was. You see, that's the only thing we, we can we, we can say it's the only time that it's happened. But going forward, if Shane's had the line before the WrestleMania and he's thinking, "Fuck it, I can do it," um, and we'll see the uh, you'll see, see him flying through the sky. But no, it's, it, it was a really really good match. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I like the like the finish of the second instalment of the match, if you will. 
Um, and I, I'll be honest with you, I think the lack of a crowd actually added a bit to this match because both men were like they, they were giving each other shit throughout the match, um, and, and it sort of added to the nastiness of the whole thing a little bit. I really enjoyed it. Uh, go to Tebs on this one first, please. Yeah, really, I was really enjoying it, and I think I was like 99% of the audience when the match finished with a cheap DQ. And I'm just sat there going, don't end it like that. That's such a WWE thing <laughs> to end it like that. Just don't do it. What are you doing? And then Owens picked up the mic. I'm like, okay, okay. And then they kick started. Yeah, great match, great ending. Um, I hope that's it for them now. Uh, I hope Owens can move on to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot Rollins can do with his, uh, with his group. That he doesn't need with his boys um so he didn't need to be in this feud with owens but um i love uh, yeah i love the jumping off the off the thing the the, the thing about again I, sorry to uh, mention this again i don't know if you noticed but there was no crowd there last night <laughs> and the sound of those chair shots there was yeah. when rollins first started he won across his back and that just that just shook me to my core and then he, Owens had rolled over and then hit him again with the chair again. And you just see this chair clatter off Owens' wrist. And you can just see it crying out in pain and then the ring bell. And I think not having the sound there really sort of showed you or audibly told you how vicious these shots actually are. They're not just tapping each other and hope the crowd noise covers up the noise. They are flogging each other to death out there and I thought that was actually quite impressive for when you're just basically doing a TV show with no audience, nobody to to you know act up to. You've just got to go out there and hurt each other, hoping that it gets over at home. I thought it was massively commendable. Great match. Probably second second match of the night. I agree, Dan. This match was really good. Um I think it must have been better than really good because from where my head was at on the floor at the start of this match to how I felt at the end of the match, really, I don't. I would. I think anyone would have struggled to have picked me up. Sometimes, if I've watched an hour and a half that I've hated of wrestling, I'm just going to hate everything to be honest. But they did a great job of changing that. I think this whole this whole performing in front of no crowd. I think Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins have shown. They are two of the most talented guys in WWE. Um, whether or not they might help pull their like the great runs that they both had in the indies or whatever. But I just felt like going into this, they'd both delivered great promos um by the ring in at the last two episodes of Raw. They both delivered great promos, yeah. This feud, it just shows when you've been building a feud for a long time, it works. This has probably been the longest builded, do you know what I mean? The longest feud that I can remember in WWE for ages. I mean, this has been going on for ages, this whole Viking Raiders and stuff. I was surprised they didn't actually get involved when it got made to no DQ, whether the social distancing played a part in that, because obviously it's been all about the five-on-five sort of like fights going into the match. But I just thought it was a really good match. Um, from, From a WrestleMania, what you want is those memorable moments, because usually, as we say, the wrestling, it's not, it's not, Tokyo Dome level, it's not I don't know, Ring of Honor 2004 level, it's it's more about the spectacle of it all and that image of Kevin Owens diving off the sign in front of Yes Tebs no crowd, was one that 
I don't know. Well, we're, it'll define this first night of WrestleMania. Well, we thought I thought at this point that is going to be the moment of the night, but I think that probably happens later on. But it well, actually maybe not. But this is just one of the great memories of this night one of WrestleMania diving off the sign. Like you, Tebs, <laughs> when that match ended in DQ, my notes I'm reading these say, my notes I'm going to prove myself wrong. I put, really nice match until the ducking, horrific ending ring bell. The story did not need to be paid off like this. Horrific booking. Fuck <laughs> you, Vince. And then, <laughs> my, by this point, I don't know if you, I thought, when I was listening to you before, Tebs, I thought, I wonder if Tebs went out for his fag after this DQ and then came back and the match was like restarted, but clearly he didn't. Sat, yeah. I was I was just sat there open mouth like they're not gonna do it. I'm not sat here at two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But the yeah. I like the fact that Seth Rollins, you could have sometimes like you might have the heel just cower away from this and just leave. But no, he comes back and I think Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, what I'd be going down future down the line with is I'd be having Kevin Owens right is one of them where I don't feel like they've built him that well. He's been sort of the guy you'll have wrestling for the title on the filler pay-per-views. Do you know what I mean? He just, like, doesn't quite get the job done. I think with a slow build, he's got the crowd. He, he, it doesn't help a wrestler when they keep going from face to heel. And Kevin Owens keeps going from face to heel. He's been a baby face now for a while. Um, feel like it's the time the crowd are really behind him. If you do this organic build, keep it going. Don't give him a title match at battleground or even SummerSlam. don't do it what to do stick whatever mid-card title um is on raw is, is it the us is it the ic I, I don't know um but whatever mid-card title is on raw give him that yeah have him have a six month john cena daniel bryan-esque reign with a belt more john cena where he's going out there he's having good matches on pay-per-view regularly he's retaining his title have him win the royal rumble next year and have him win the title at Wrestlemania yeah if they keep going with this Kevin Owens character I do think that can be done but obviously WWE booking a year is very dangerous to give to Vince McMahon and what I'd be doing with Seth Rollins who really I think has really come into his own these last few months I mean a lot of us strongly disliked him towards the end of last year I think he's done a really good job with his character although it can be goofy at times but I was thinking I was talking to one of my mates before and I said, who would you have The Undertaker face? Because clearly these sort of matches what The Undertaker should be doing, the match that we'll be talking about in about five, ten minutes. But I thought you could maybe go with Undertaker versus Seth Rollins at maybe a SummerSlam next year's WrestleMania. Uh, Seth Rollins with this like Messiah Jesus persona that he's got, I think would really work in one of these match types with The Undertaker, where I don't know, Seth's trying to convert The Undertaker or something. So I'd like to see... Going down the route. So let's push Kevin Owens a slow build towards one of the main titles. And let's maybe go with Seth Rollins against an Undertaker later down the line. But yeah, really good match. Um, these two have been two of the standout performances in this, I don't know what you want to call it, quarantine era of WWE. Um, but yeah, both did a great job. They had a great match. We got a great moment. And that is really what WrestleMania should be all about. So two thumbs up from this match. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's uh, that, that agreed. Um, moving on, we get the Universal Championship match that went for a total of 2 minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, Goldberg, the champion, defended against Braun Strowman. Um, <clears throat> it was quick, but I think we all expected it was going to be quick. I didn't probably realise how quick it was going to be. Um, I think this would have gone over much ba- much better with the crowd in because of the high impact straight away, bang, bang, boom. Um, but what it did do for me is 
I was I, I was convinced late replacement. I was convinced after that second uh, spear hit, and they just started spear, spear, spear. I was convinced that Braun was going to just get jobbed out and squashed, and it took me by it took me by a big surprise after those two uh, spears that Braun was able to get it. Happy with the results. It was a good little two minute match. Can't say no more, no less for me. Um, Dan. Go to you on this one first, mate. Well, I don't like the fact that on SmackDown, obviously the big controversy was Triple H said they were going to insert Roman's replacement in a unique manner. If that unique and interesting manner was just throwing up a graphic and not explaining why Braun Strowman's in the match and Roman Reigns is out, that just me shows what WWE value in the build-up to matches. But So I'm sat there and I'm thinking, look, I'm going to be brutally honest, yeah? Braun Strowman in 2020 can't put on a good match yeah do i want him to be the champion of the show no i don't yeah people are happy that bronze won but these same people i'm not talking about you danny because i know you're fans of brock lesnar but you to me you can't complain about brock lesnar if you're going to want braun Strowman to be the champion because yeah braun Strowman's there every month but to be honest we had sooner him not be braun can't have a good match he can't have a good tip Listen, he can't, he can't. He had a really great match with the Big Show in 2017, yeah. But since then, he slowed down. He, had, he was involved in that really good fatal four-way at SummerSlam. But I feel like over the last 18 months, they've sort of messed up his character. This all started with that Nicholas bullshit at that WrestleMania. Um, he slowed down. He's notoriously got two bad knees that he struggles with. You can tell sometimes when he's walking down to the ring. So I don't think it's any fault of Braun. So I, did, I was a fan of Braun Strowman when he was like the monster heel. Um, so I'm sat watching this and I'm thinking, you've been you've bored me everything you've done for 18 months. However, I'm watching this match and I'm thinking, look, I actually don't mind the whole Goldberg, we'll call it a Goldberg-Brock Lesnar layout match where it's bang, bang, bang that we saw yeah. at WrestleMania. So I'm going to be, I'm not going to be like, Braun Strowman can't wrestle, don't have him as champion, right? I think they showed last night that if you're going to have Braun Strowman as champion, yeah, you can have him as champion and book him in these matches. Just have him go three or four minutes. The guy can't work 10, 12-minute matches. Just have him go three or four minutes. If you want him to be the Goldberg of this generation, where it's bam, 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 just do it. It might get over. Have Braun Strowman just beat people in 20 seconds for months. If you really want him as champion, do that. But I don't want it to be, it's the world title match. It's got to be 12 minutes. You don't do it with Goldbergs, so don't do it with Braun. Have him go three or four minutes, five minutes, whatever. I'll be fine with that on pay-per-views month after month. What I don't want to see is Braun Strowman going 12, 30 minutes with someone in the main event. And also, I feel like this Braun Strowman title win was going to happen at some point. I feel like it's been in the works for years. He's always been like the backup. I think if you remember, there was a WrestleMania a few years ago where it was rumoured that maybe Brock or Roman wouldn't make it, so they didn't put Braun in a match because he was going to be the replacement if the whatever wrestler it was couldn't make it. So they've finally done this title win for Braun. It's out the way with. I'm glad it wasn't at a WrestleMania that I was attending, but I think if they think it out properly, they can get the Braun Strowman character back over because he was really cold going into this match. He's not done anything. No, hey, he lost to Sami Zayn on the last pay-per-view. Do you know what I mean? But... Yeah, Tebs. I think you're a Braun Strowman fan, aren't you, Tebs? Braun you, you like Braun, don't you? Yeah. 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 <coughs> oh, excuse me. Yeah, I'm happy with this. Um, I, I think it, there's quite a lot that you can take from a two-minute match. First of all, I think it shows that 
Triple H is very much the spokesperson of the company, is the media darling, like the Harry Redknapp of uh, wrestling. But when it comes to knowing what's actually going on behind the scenes, I, I'm, I'm wondering how included he is um, in general. I think, you know, when I first read that, I thought, okay, they're doing something really unique here. And then yeah. the following day, they just stuck his name out there. And I and thinking back on it now, that says to me that Triple H is being asked these questions and he's doing the company line, he's talking up the good game, but behind the scenes, he's not involved in any of it and they're just going to do whatever's happening. And, and that's a bit of a disappointment. But I don't know, maybe that's just me interpreting it. Um, I think it showed that they've pretty much said to Goldberg, you know, you're going to have a, a very short run with the title, do a couple of promos. And we'll yeah. get, uh, you'll you'll hand it over to uh, Reigns at WrestleMania. So maybe Goldberg was happy with that. I'm happy with Braun, like you say. I, I think it should be these big men, squash, high-impact, destruction derby kind of matches where they'll go no more than three or four minutes, absolutely just demolish who's ever in front of him. And, yeah, build him up as the monster rather than just a comedy character. And... Mm. Then I started thinking on, well, okay, the plan is always to put the belt on Reigns. It must have been. It must have been. If you're going to put it on the replacement bra, Braun, um, then surely the plan was to put it on Reigns. So you've now got a situation where you've either got to turn Braun heel again, and it goes back to that old problem of Kevin Owens, where he's flip-flopping between face and heel every week. So are you going to turn Braun heel again um, so Reigns can take the title off of him? Um, I think it a match against the Fiend would be great. Yeah. If you again, if you kept it three or four minutes because of their backstory, and then you know what? Have a match against the Fiend. Turn Braun heel after having faced the Fiend in a match, and then he can hand the belt over to Reigns at SummerSlam. Maybe I think it's opened up a lot more possibilities than it would be just leaving the belt on Goldberg and moving forward. Um, yeah. I, I don't think it's the car crash everybody's saying it is. I don't think it's an insult to wrestling, I've, as I've seen, literally I'm reading it off Twitter and right, um, somebody saying it's an insult to wrestling to give Braun Strowman the title. Well, no, it's not. No, it's not, not at all. He, no. um, yes, he's not the most... Um, agile. Agile. <laughs> <coughs> Pretty much any noun in there, just put anything you want in there. But um, I'd like to see him, like I say, I'd like to see him go against The Fiend in one of these big matches. I won't mind seeing him against... I mean, Daniel Bryan. I know it's not a big man match, but do you think Daniel Bryan would get a match out of him? Yes. Yes. Daniel Bryan got a good match out of the Fiend, so I think he'd yeah. get a good match out of Bryan. Bryan is not a bad worker. I just feel like he's... He, I don't know, he just slowed down the last few years. Limited. Yeah, because look at the size of him. He's yeah. carrying it around on those knees. He's going to slow down. Um, I don't know. I'm... I'm trying to. I'm trying to phrase it. I think if he's got the right wrestler in front of him, he's got the right opponent, then they'll they'll get a good match out of him. I've never thought of as Braun Strowman as somebody that can, you know, lead a match and build a story, etc. But I think if he were put in the right feuds moving forward and was protected as a dominant champion, much like Brock is, then that'll work for him. If they're going to put him up against Aaron Corbin for the next three months, oh, Corbin, been to me. <laughs> don't give them oh, ideas, Sebs. For oh my god! Well, how many, how many, how many top heels have we got on SmackDown at the minute? 
Not a great deal. Not a, not a lot of heels, great heels out there at the moment. One or two, but that's about it. Seth, that's the only one that really springs yeah. to mind. AJ, maybe. Mm. So I'd, I'd be interested to see how they get the title to Reigns. Because that, again, we all know it's the worst kept secret, but that's, that's their end game. They want the title on Reigns. Well, um, I, I think they might be struggling now unless... Like I said, Braun's going to drop it fairly quickly to um, a Baron Corbin or the Fiend again, and then they do a big match at SummerSlam to pass it back over. Yeah, and do... I think that's what they'll do, Tebs. I think Brit, the Fiend, the title will go back to the Fiend, um, yeah. and you'll probably have the Roman Fiend match, which was originally planned for um, WrestleMania, probably yeah. take place at a SummerSlam or whatever other pay per view they've got. But hopefully not. Do you know what? I feel like the last 10 minutes you've sort of talked me into the idea of, yeah, let, let's give Braun a run. Let's see what he can uh, do. I you agree. know what? As Braun as champion, you know it's what? It's change at least. It's a change. But look at all the possibilities it's opened up now. You leave it on Goldberg, you've got very few possibilities of what you can do moving forward that we haven't seen before. I think this has given everybody, a, you know, it's given a whole new dynamic to that universal title that is going to be there every week. It's going to be somebody who's there with the mic in his hand. He's going to turn yeah. every week. You know, he's always going to have these David versus Goliath matches or he's going to have the big, big man versus big man spots. And I'm interested in it. I'm looking forward to it. Well, there's, there's also the talk out there that uh, on Twitter, I don't know whether I necessarily believe this, but saying um, they've kind of done last night um, look at what you could have, what what you could have won to Roman for pulling out, um, and that there might possibly be an extended run with the backing that Roman had, all put into Braun Strowman. I don't know how true that is, but from past experiences where WWE have told people you don't have to attend or you don't have to do this. I think it was the Chris Jericho was talking about, or Rob Van Dam was talking about the uh, the shows that used to have the tribute for the troops behind enemy lines, and they said, "Well, you don't have to do it, but we'll really, really look down at you if you don't." I don't know whether there's a little bit of that involved with Roman pulling out a couple of days before and announcing it the way he did before WWE had had time to actually put together maybe a more plausible response. So that's something else as well. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean, Danny. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, I don't. I feel like this Roman thing. They've been trying to coronate Roman for years now, and it, <laughs> something always goes wrong, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I bet, I bet Vince is kicking himself for not doing it at thirty-four. He couldn't do it at thirty-five last year because, like, Roman only came back a few months before. He wanted to do it this year, and the coronavirus stuff came in. So yeah, rest yeah. Hollywood, baby. Roman versus. I don't know. Hopefully, I'd like to see the Roman Goldberg match at some point because I was actually looking forward to that match. Maybe I suppose Goldberg's a year 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 older any next year. Maybe mm-hmm. do that at a SummerSlam or something like that. Or a Saudi Mania. Yeah, um, they're going to, aren't they? That's one thing I was going to say, Danny, about when you mentioned about is Roman going to be punished for pulling out of the show? Well, Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn and John Cena as well. They've all pulled out of Saudi shows numerous times. And they've all, I mean, Sami Zayn's got the run with the IC belt. Daniel Bryan was, was it, Daniel Bryan was made champion, was it, just after the Saudi show? That's so true, that's true. You'd think, I'd, I'd, I think, I don't think they'd punish Roman. 
for... Well, you see, the thing that I'm worried about, well, not worried about, but I'm talking about is the fact, the way he did it. Um, so they've, they've pulled out Daniel Bryan and that they've given the notice for the political reasons, I suppose, or humanitarian uh, with Saudi mania. But he's actually, he hasn't told WWE that he was going to do it and he's literally put it on his Instagram and just blown it for everyone. He's confirmed them. And I think that might be the cause of the concern more than the, as well as pulling out. But we'll see, we'll see. Um we're going to move on now to probably the most talked about match uh, in many manias um, for a long time. Uh, guys, I honestly thought this was like it was special and it was unique. I remember the last time they tried to do something along these lines. I think it was that the wire compound or something shit like that with Randy Orton and it, it just didn't come across well. Um and then they ended up fighting, and the it, it just didn't. It wasn't done well, but I thought this was done exceptionally well. I think Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy must be sat back in North Carolina somewhere, sipping on sherry with Vanguard, and thinking, "We fucking done that. That's that's all come from where we started." It felt like watching it. It was like a western. It was the old gunslinger versus like the the mouthy the mouthy heel and um, you know somebody's brought his family into it and stuff like that. I'm glad Michelle McCool didn't make an appearance, but I think they've basically looked at the Sorry. likes of uh, the likes of what Lucha Underground have done and the likes of um, the Hardy Compounds and they've twisted it and they've altered it a little bit. I loved it. I loved that there was a bit of intensity in the match. I think there was a couple of swear words thrown in. Uh, didn't like the fact AJ still had his fucking gloves on. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. It was something completely different for WWE. And I would like them to do this again sparingly. Do you know what I mean? Don't use yeah. it every, once a year at most and use it for a special angle. But I think Dan alluded to before, this was the perfect match to put Undertaker in. In my opinion, the best Undertaker match in many, many years. The one I enjoyed the most. Maybe not saying best match is a bit counterintuitive, but the one I enjoyed the most. I think the one most people enjoyed the most. Tebs, I'll go to you with this one, please, mate. You know what? When I was watching it, I was kind of gobsmacked because I <laughs> really didn't enjoy the the hardy stuff from impact yeah um, i i turned it on one night when i was not watching wrestling that much when i was staying at a friend's house in ireland and we said oh stick the wrestling on let's let's catch up and i just had no clue what was going on and i just thought this i'm a traditionalist the wrestling for me is in a ring um commentators referee standard you know I, to, to put it in that kind of setting to me it turned it into a a b or a c level action flick you know an action film yeah, yeah. it was probably you know worse acted than one of the than the marine 15 or whatever number <laughs> there. um and i just thought if i want to watch an action film i'll watch one that's well made and doesn't look uh, excuse me for uh, bringing jim Connor into it but doesn't look phony um yeah. and, and i was watching it and they're thinking this this just doesn't sit right with me this isn't right i know they're just play acting around a, a, a graveyard set or whatever. And the more I've thought about it, you're absolutely right. It was a match that was filmed in a different setting. So 
when you watch Falls Count anywhere, that doesn't mean anything different to inside a ring. You know, it's still a wrestling match. Um, the Undertaker came across fantastic. Um, there was a bit, you know, ebbing and flowing at one point where you thought the Undertaker was on his last legs and yeah. I thought the uh, coming out of the grave bit was a bit over to be honest. But again, I'd, I was in that kind of mind last night that I was watching it and I don't think I was fully prepared for what it was. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just watching it and thinking I'm, I'm watching a short film where two guys just kick each other around the graveyard and then one buries the other. But thinking back, yeah, it's absolutely right for what it was. It was great. It was a wrestling match. It was in that setting. Um, they weren't confined by ropes and, and ring posts and everything. They were just out in the open. Um, the stuff going on on top of the roof of the building with uh, the OC Gallows and Anderson was great. Mm. Um, probably the best bit I took away from it was uh, um, it was towards the beginning of the match and uh, Taker were throwing AJ everywhere. He says, uh, is there saying, uh, come on, AJ. Come on, AJ. And then he says, come on, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's and, when I said, yeah. and when I said to you back in the podcast, back in the preview show, the bit where um, AJ was bringing in, it was calling him Mark Calloway. He wasn't calling him Taker. He was yeah. using his real name. And I love that little call back in the match where he's there saying, "Come on, Alan." <laughs> Great touch, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> it, was, it was. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was. And you know, what? it was probably what was needed at the end of that show. Just leave every, let everybody go home. Um, with the memory of this this set piece, this spectacle, as opposed to um, for you know in an empty room. So I don't know. I'm I'm on the fence by it. I'm I'm more looking forward to the um, the Funhouse match tonight. I think for some reason I was more looking forward to that than the Taker match. Um, yeah. If they can do that in the same vein as what they've done with this one, but I don't think they are. I think they're going to go way over the top with it, which is a bit worrying. But we'll see. The absolutely no chance of following this. Hopefully they do, but this, for me, lads, was an absolute masterpiece. WWE, I did not know they had this in him. People say it was Jeremy Borash, whatever. It was. I just thought it was amazing. I mean, they got me straight. At the first, I'm thinking, is this going to be Taker's last match? So I thought it was a bit of a weird choice to not end the show with Braun. You had a title change, didn't you, for your biggest title on the show, and you didn't end the show with it. So I thought something is big, maybe happening here. What what's happening here? And I just thought the opening where you've got the hearse, you've got you, do you know what I mean? You've got the oh, AJ popping up out of the coffin. It was absolutely <laughs> his laugh, the look on his face. It was oh, it was brilliant, and then. I'm just getting over the brilliance of that. I'm laughing my head off at that. And what kicks in? I've got Metallica kicking in. I've got Undertaker strolling in on his bike, Sons of Anarchy style. And I'm like, are they seriously going to pull this off? And then it's going on. At one point, I'm thinking, they're going to end The Undertaker. They're going to end him. They're going to bury him alive. And this is going to be The Undertaker's last match. Wow, AJ is going to be an absolute star after this. We know Vince likes AJ, but I thought maybe it might be a bit too old for him to want him to be like the stars of the company. And then you have Undertaker behind AJ, you have the OC getting involved. And I'm sat watching this, I'm thinking, do you know what? Doesn't matter what happens. AJ is 
solidified as a star after this. It is just if he wasn't already, it was just brilliant. You've got the way the bantering about with each other. You've got the music in the background. It was just. I just thought it was brilliant. I mean, I'm like you. I'm not really a fan of this sort of stuff. I don't mind it. Don't particularly like it. The Bray Wyatt Randy Orton thing was horrific. Um, I think Matt Hardy did a match with Bray Wyatt at the compound on a Raw, which was okay. Ooh. Wasn't as bad as the Randy Orton Bray Wyatt stuff. But this, it was just. I think another reason why it all worked. You it ended Undertaker. Is it? People have wanted this Undertaker for years. Um, you had him. What I liked is. For the last, how many times have we watched an Undertaker match over the last few years? And it's been, you feel sad watching it. You yeah. feel like, oh, he's not the same Undertaker. Is it sad? Undertaker looks sad. The crowd is sad. And then just the ending where you've got Undertaker looking like an absolute badass on his bike, his hand in the air. And I'm thinking, yeah, that is how you treat one of the biggest legends you will ever have in your company. If this is under, I can't think of a time I thought if this is Undertaker's last match, which I actually hope it isn't now. I've wanted the guy to retire for the last few years, but I hope it isn't his last match. But if it is, what a great ending. What a fitting ending to his career. I thought, I just thought it was brilliant. Everything about it, there wasn't one thing I didn't like. And sure, I've got, I'm reading, I put on, I put on Twitter, best WWE match of the year. I don't care if there's no referee, don't care if there's no ropes. I care about my enjoyment level of it. And yeah. I, someone commented on something that I put saying, yeah, but it wasn't as good as Okada and Ibushi in the Tokyo Dome. Okay. I sat and watched Okada, Ibushi in the Tokyo Dome, yeah? And I sat and watched Undertaker versus AJ last night. And I had more enjoyment out of the Undertaker-AJ thing from last night than I did Okada, Ibushi. Sure, Okada, Ibushi was a better match, but there was parts of that match I was bored. I wasn't bored during any of this. It was excellent, and I always think you can tell if a match is good because when it's finished, you're on a high. You're on an adrenaline rush. You want to tell people about how great it was, and I had all of them things. You have the bit where you don't necessarily... I'm going back to you, Danny. When we was watching, we stayed up to watch Cody against... We were talking about Double or nothing last year, Cody against Dustin. I think me and you were up till like oh, six in the morning that night nice. talking about how great it was. And then last night, I didn't want to go to bed. I wanted to talk about it with everyone. I didn't want to go to bed because there was night two. And then I wake up this morning. I woke up Danny, yeah? And I, I looked at my phone and it said, top of the balcony on Instagram, liked your post one hour ago. I thought, is this crazy bastard still up? So <laughs> I dropped you a message saying, why are you still up? But yeah. The match itself was brilliant. It's the best WWE match. I don't care. I don't care. I don't need ropes. Don't need a referee. Don't need a free count. All I care about is my personal enjoyment of a match. And this, I loved. This will be in my top ten matches of the year. Full stop. Loved it. Brilliant. And which you know, going back to the two night thing, right? I feel like the Kevin Owens Seth Rollins match, yeah, and this match has taught me something, and that is that. Say if it WrestleMania had just been one night, I might have been sat there feeling down on everything, thinking, oh, well, it's impossible to enjoy a match in this situation. Whereas now, because I was on a little bit of a high from those two matches last night, I'm looking forward to tonight. Yeah. I'm going into it with an open mind. I know that it is possible to enjoy a match in front of nobody or to enjoy a match in a fucking graveyard. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm going into tonight open about it. I'm excited about it. So yeah, tonight tonight actually does feel like I'm staying up to watch WrestleMania. We've had a one hour, 40 minute discussion on a show that nobody thought we'd even really give a shit about. So yeah, 
Great uh, well, uh, some of us did. Some of us did. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I loved as well the the ending um, of the uh, of the match. They, they basically did the Terminator Two ending, didn't they? With AJ's hand just <laughs> yeah. out the grave, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, which which I thought was genius. As I say, it was corny, but it was really enjoyable for me. Go back to another Undertaker match. I'm sure I've watched an Undertaker match from '97. Where uh, ninety-eight so. pops up out of it, but sorry, Danny, to cut you off. No, maybe so. Um, I, I think what I've taken out of this whole show is that um, I was looking forward to Mania. I, I was trying to keep positive. I was looking at it as a distraction, and it it it, it hit on everything for me. Um, yeah, there wasn't the greatest, some of the greatest matches I've ever seen. They weren't, but it's something that we're talking about. There was more than one talking point. It wasn't just The Undertaker. There was a number of things that happened over that night. And I'm at the point now where if tonight is shit, it doesn't matter to me because I had a really, really good time watching that. And it's worth it. It's worth, for me, it's worth them putting on this WrestleMania despite all the talk cancellation. In the circumstances, they made the absolute best out of what they could do, in my opinion. And, you know, if tonight's shit, it's fine with me. I've already enjoyed night one. Um, do you want to, lads, do you want to leave us with some closing thoughts? Um, maybe about what you enjoyed about it the most or what you want looking forward to the most tonight uh, in part two. Um, I'll start with you, Dan, if that's all right. Sorry, Danny, I had to go and turn my uh, tank on. I've not turned my old pipe on for work tomorrow. Um, so I'd been gone for 10 seconds then. Well, I just... Tonight, what am I looking forward to tonight, did so, you say? Well, what are you looking... What, what did you enjoy? Um, what are your final thoughts before we wrap up? Is there anything you want to say about last night's show? What are you looking forward to about tomorrow night? Sorry, tonight. Um, and just give us your thoughts, and then we'll go to Tebs if that's okay. Yeah, well, my overall thoughts on the show was it was a bad opening half. Didn't enjoy it. I thought the opener was fine. thought we had three or four matches back-to-back, which... Just, I don't want to see wrestling in an empty arena unless it's Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins level. Um, over The thing is with me, I feel like if the main event of a show delivers, I don't, do you know what I mean? I can, I can look past the other stuff. I just want a show to have a great main event. Um, like this, we left this show, well, didn't leave it. I wish we had it done, but I turned the TV off and was on a high, yeah? Right? If you go back to previous WrestleManias, if WrestleMania 35 would have ended with the Kofi Kingston-Daniel Bryan match, we'd have all left the building on a high. If WrestleMania 34 would have ended with the Ronda Rousey-Angle-Triple-H-Stephanie um, McMahon match, we'd have all left the building on a high. But we didn't. This, although we didn't leave any buildings, we just left rooms, I left this show on a high, which is, that's what you want. You when you At the end of a film, at the end of any TV programme... You want to finish it thinking, yeah, I really enjoyed that. So I did. So, yeah, I can look past the fucking debacle of Daniel Bryan and the fact that Brie Bella's a bitch. But I enjoyed the end of the show. So that was what matters to me. I love Kevin Owens. I have memories of this WrestleMania, and it's not about coronavirus. I'm sure in months' time we'll look back and it'll be like, that was the coronavirus WrestleMania. But as today on whatever day it is, what is it, the 6th of April, whatever, my memories of this show is Kevin Owens jumping off the WrestleMania sign and Undertaker being treated with the respect that he deserves in a great match. So, yeah, 
Um, tonight, I'll tell you what, Tebs, we'll finish up, we'll talk about tonight after this. What, what, what was your overall thoughts on night one of WrestleMania? Yeah, pleasantly surprised. Um, started off with that awful feeling that, like I said before, we were watching the, the dress rehearsal, we were watching the run-through before the actual event. And it's nothing to do with the surroundings, it just got to feel that there was this aura over everybody that they were doing something that was out of the ordinary, it just nothing just felt natural, it all felt, you know, going through the motions. But as the show carried on, probably from around Zane, Brian onwards, um, it really picked up for me. Um, the ladder m- match for me, I really enjoyed, I took a lot out of that, I enjoyed watching that, that was a, that was a good old fun time. Um, Owens... Jumping off that sign is going to get replayed for years to come. Yes, it is spot on, mate. Absolutely spot on. I loved that um, they gave the belt to Strowman because I think a lot of people were going into it thinking, oh, they're just going to leave it on Goldberg. Late notice replacements never get given the title, so let's just leave it on Goldberg. And I, I like that the even though they thought this wasn't going to be maybe the most viewed WrestleMania, it's probably not going to be, you know, the well, it's obviously talked about, but they still took those risks, as it were, and give the, give the strap to Strowman. Um, so I really appreciated that. And like I say, I'm probably going to go back and watch that Boneyard, ma- Boneyard match again. Um, you, I didn't want to enjoy it while I was watching it. I was, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was probably quite condescending about it. I was, you know, saying it was goofy and this, that, and the other. But like you say, if you, if you, take away the setting that it's in and watch it for a match, it hit all the right notes. I, I, yeah, I'm more convinced from after what you two have said to me um, that I should go and give it another chance. Um, in terms of tonight, Christ, I think tonight, looking at the two cards um, when they got announced yesterday, I thought night two looked the stronger night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if, I think the women's match, the tag match, and Black Lashley are the are the ones. If they if they do the same again, they put them on first, um, and build it up through the night rather than hitting off with a a barnstormer and then have a lull. If they, they start off with the you know the matches that probably aren't going to deliver much and build up through the night again, and and we go back to pacing and timing of the night, then it, it'll have been a cracking weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. Yep, it should be good. I'm excited because, as I say, I think the best thing going into um, into all this has been Edge Randy Orton. The build for that's been great. Um, we can now look forward to this Firefly Funhouse bollocks because of what we saw last night. I feel like I've got a little bit more trust, although maybe on tomorrow's podcast I will completely bury it. Um, but we've also, I'm intrigued. What ha- I'm actually interested in what they do with McIntyre Lesnar, so I'm interested in the outcome of that. I'm really looking forward to Edge v Orton. I'm excited, to be honest with you, I'm excited for him to shove that Edge promo from the other night into the video package. Like, have you two seen that Edge promo? Fuck yeah. Yes. I know I've been wittering up about it. I just thought it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I might even stick it at the end of this show. Um, but I just thought it was an amazing promo. So I'm looking forward to Edge or, and we've got Cena Wyatt. I've seen the build-up video package to that. That's really good. Um, what other matches have we got? Black Lashley, did you say, Tebs? That's tonight. Alistair Black against Bobby Lashley. The, the match of the night, Otis versus Ziggler. Yeah, we've got that. I'm um, interested in that. We've got Charlotte Rhea Ripley. Yep. <laughs> this card that. is definitely the better of the two. I just want to see Otis walking up that ramp with Mandy Rose in his arms, carrying her off into the sunset. I just want that. 
Right, if that doesn't happen and Otis gets screwed... Oh, sorry. Right, yeah. I think the drink's wearing off. But um, <laughs> that, that's probably the one match I'm most looking forward to. You're yeah. looking forward to Drew McIntyre, Danny? Not so much, Paul. No, no. Um, okay. I, 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 I like... I, I, from a very human point of view, I hope he's happy. I hope he's healthy. From a wrestling fan's point of view, I hope he's not working this time next year. Um, so, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on Drew McIntyre. So, not the one I'm looking forward to the most. Um, I'm actually just looking forward to the old card. If I had to pick one out, it would probably be... Um, <sighs> I don't know, probably the uh, the the Edge versus Randy Orton or the Fiend, mm. John Cena. But I'm re- I am I'm going in positive tonight. I'm, I think a lot of people will be as well. I think there'll be a lot more excitement than there was yesterday. So I'm I am I'm really really looking forward to it tonight. Let's hope it uh, it goes off without a hitch and it knocks it out the park in the way that I think last night did. Yeah, hopefully it does. But we all know WWE got a WWE, so it wouldn't surprise me if we get an absolute... Sorry to like bring the tone down, but it wouldn't surprise me if we get an absolute shit show tonight. We Surely we can't have two like, critically acclaimed um, main events back-to-back in WWE, can we? I'm sure whatever main events tonight, there'll be people cancelling the network, everyone will hate each other on Twitter. I can't wait for it. But... Um, Hopefully. It's all fucking uh, sunshine and rainbows with you, isn't it, all the time? Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, what, what, what I'm going to try and finish on is just a sincere from me, not from the podcast because people have different opinions, a sincere thank you to Vincent Kennedy Cecil McMahon. I don't know whether his middle name is Cecil between the Kennedy and the McMahon. But absolute fantastic show. It, for me personally... It's the first time that I haven't thought about fucking coronavirus for an extended period of time. And not only the coronavirus, the economic impact, how it's affecting my friends and my family and people in the country and throughout the world. I didn't think of that one minute at all throughout this show. So thank you to everyone involved for fucking putting it on because it was the best escapism or escapism that I've ever had as a wrestling fan. Yeah. Thank you very much. I echo that, Danny, because like I'll admit I was wrong. I said to you, we're going to be constantly reminded and depressed about this coronavirus during the show because there's going to be no one there. It's in the performance center. And I was wrong. Yeah. Whether, uh, do you know what I mean? It was nice to complain about something else other than the coronavirus. I'm not going to lie a lot. It was nice to complain about Daniel Bryan. It was nice to complain about every other match. It was nice to, like, enjoy matches, yeah? It was just nice that everyone was passionately talking about something other than what's going on in the real world right now. So, Danny, you was right. I was wrong. Vince, thank you. Still think you're a prick. Teb? <laughs> Teb Teb's has gone for a smoke, I think, by the sound of it. Teb's, he's still there. You all, you all cut off. You all cut off. Hello, yes. No, I'm going for a smoke now. Well, he's trying to cover up the fact he's got his Lambert and Butler in his mouth or his roll-ups. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, God, I'm gasping for one. No, um, yeah, I, I said it before. I think it's good that they're actually putting something on. Um, they're actually putting put a show on for the fans. Um, 
what we wanted, but it was what we got, and I think it was the best of what we could have had. Um, looking forward to tonight, and uh, yeah, anyone got a light? <laughs> so what, what? What's ever? Are you two drinking tonight, Tebs? Are you back on the five vodkas tonight? I'm back on the five vodkas. Yeah, maybe even push it to six, depending on how well that funhouse match goes. Fucking, mm. I I had legit, legit drunk by the second match. Five whiskeys at the end of the uh, at the end of the second match. So I'm going to have to behave myself tonight, um, guys. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> well, listen. Guys, thank you very, very much for tonight. Uh, t- today, I really appreciate it. Nice chatting to you. Nice having something positive, completely positive to chat about. Thank you very much. We will catch up with you tomorrow. Please tune in. Please subscribe. Please like and please share. And we will speak to you tomorrow. Enjoy your night two of WrestleMania, everyone. Goodbye. Let's face it, man, we're all junkies for this. As a, as a 13-year-old kid sitting 11th row ringside for WrestleMania, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, I knew then, if you're not a junkie for this, then you're just taking up space. You're in my way. You talked about grit, right? Clearly, we have different definitions of the word grit. <sighs> to you, uh, grit seems to be, you know, handpicked by evolution. That represents grit to you. You're resting on the laurels of your family name. Coasting. Off and on with spurts of magic for the last 20 years. Just okay with being okay. Don't get me wrong, okay for you is better than most, and that's a Hall of Fame career. But to me, to me, grit is the type of man that'll reach down into that hole, that'll pull somebody out that probably doesn't deserve it. To me, grit is refusing to be an evolution because you don't want to be someone's lackey. To me, grit is forging your own Hall of Fame career. To me, grit is thinking about how to get back here every day for nine years and end this on your terms. You accepted 
a last man standing match with me. A man! Who will dive face first into a flaming table with thumbtacks lodged into every part of my body just to grab that torch that you took for granted! yourself another hole, didn't you, Randy? This time, I'm not gonna pull you back out. I ain't gonna push you so far in. You will never get back. I'm not sure.